0: You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Deitzer. This is the Sober Podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. You can always find the show notes some posts and all of my other tools over on decidedlydry.substack.com thank you so much for pushing play today let's get started friends welcome back to the show how in the world are you did you have a lovely thanksgiving tell me all the things i want to hear it all <laughs> are you making the lists and checking them twice My Thanksgiving was wonderful. It was very low key. I was surrounded by loved ones and had so many fantastic non-alcoholic options that honestly, you guys, I can say that I did not even think about wine. Between the delicious mocktail that my mom made, yes, she's the best, (laughs) the sparkling cider that I enjoyed with the kiddos, and a really tasty ginger beer from Betty Buzz. I was set. I hope that you had a similar experience, and if not, here is to a new week and a fresh, positive, new outlook. Today, I am chatting with my new good friend, Allie Shapiro. Allie is the host of the top-ranked podcast, Insatiable. She is a holistic nutritionist, integrated health coach, and a rebel with a serious cause. She is academically, practically, and empathetically aware of how the medical system, diet culture, and body positivity movements all kind of have their own flavor of crazy. Allie is the creator of the Truce with Food program, which combines how we think and feel about food and other stories that we tell ourselves. She's bridging psychology and behavioral change so we can break all the absurd, dangerous, and shaming ways we approach food and our bodies. Her work and her clients' unique success has been featured in Get Ready, Mind Body Green, Prevention, Women's Health, and Forbes, as well as industry-leading podcasts Being Boss tell me something true. Hello, Lauren McCowan's podcast whoop, whoop. and food heaven. You guys, we had actually never met prior to our interview and holy Toledo, did we hit it off. Our conversation is real. It is raw and it's being delivered to your beautiful ears in just the perfect time. I cannot wait for you to enjoy this special chat. Here's Allie. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry, and I am so excited. I think I probably introduced my all my guests this way because I'm always so excited for these conversations. But today I have Allie Shapiro. Hi, Allie. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I I'm just laughing to myself because I always end up talking before we hit that record button and I always have to cut myself off because I'm like, oh, we're just, we're going to totally repeat ourselves. You know, if we just keep talking. So, um, I'm just so excited to talk to you today and I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for hosting. <laughs>
0: Well, my friend, we are going to hit on some really juicy topics today, and I think it is so timely, especially if guests are listening. We're recording this in November, so well, late November, almost December, which means we are getting really close to that time of year where we start doing the goal setting. We start talking about all the things we want to accomplish, and I just think that the subjects that we're going to talk about, talk about is, is just so applicable to right now. So let's just dive in. You ready?
1: Yeah, let's, let's go for it.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I would love to just pass the mic over and have you kind of introduce yourself to listeners. So maybe you can share who you are, what you do, where you live, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. I think I'll start my story. That'll be most helpful for what we're going to talk about today about, oh my God, it's hard to be like 15, 20 years ago. Um, I had was struggling with depression, emotional eating, acne. I had tried accutane antibiotics, um, was trying all different antidepressants, um, had was diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, like on all these reflux medications, and nothing was really working. And I found functional medicine, which is a lot more popular today, but I feel like I have to take everyone back into a time machine. Like 20 years ago, there was no social media. you know. (laughs) Magazines and newspapers didn't even have health sections. So it was a very different information age. And I was at a holistic nutrition school called the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And we learned all these different dietary theories. And I really liked functional medicine. It was this Western approach to root cause resolution. And I basically realized through that that all of my issues were connected to gut health and I I had had cancer as a teenager. And while the chemo and radiation saved my life, it also destroyed my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm the first generation of childhood cancer survivors, so no one really knew like what's going to happen, right? So I basically, through my own research and starting to look at food this way as medicine, because up until then, I had just been looking at it as calories. Like, mm-hmm. how do you burn calories? How do you, you know, not eat enough calories? And I was really stuck in in diet culture. And learning functional medicine and and really working to heal my gut, which was really just getting off processed foods. It was nothing too fancy. I had to take gluten out of my diet for, for a, a while, Um and do probiotics and that stuff, I was able to reverse like my acne, my IBS, my depression. I thought it was like gone, but I realized I had gotten to basically zero. I was like in such a deficit for so long with my moods. And I was like, this is amazing. Food is medicine. But then I couldn't keep it up during stressful periods. And I was like, okay, now I feel shame because I know how great I could feel. I know how much power I have in my health, and I'm not doing it when I would go in the in the cancer world, we call it scanxiety season, which is mm-hmm. like, okay, you're scheduling your scans to see if, you know, and, and for me, it wasn't just my Hodgkin's disease I had, but I was also at risk for secondary cancers like breast and thyroid. So, you know, our wonderful medical system, which again, Western medicine has its place and it's great, but the system itself isn't very user experience friendly. So from the time you sign your appointment up until you get the scans, till you meet your oncologist can be like six weeks. And I'd be like binging on sugar. And I'm like, I know sugar feeds on cancer. Why am I doing this? You know, I learned all this stuff. Um, Or when I was like at my corporate job, I was like stressed, but bored. And I'd be like, I deserve this. Um, and and so I was like, why can't I keep this up? I don't I don't understand. Um, and so at the same time, I had been seeing clients on the side of my corporate job, and back then I was just helping people get off processed foods. Like we were, I was doing grocery store tours, talking about kale. No one knew what kale was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm that. telling you, people, I'm not that old, but it was a different era. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I found with my clients that after about the fourth session, we stopped talking about food. And I didn't really know what was working with them, what wasn't working. Um, And so I went back to grad school at the University of Pennsylvania in Philly, any Philly listeners, Um, and really studied how do adults change? What is really going on here? And I realized that what I had always been told um, was that food is about discipline and willpower. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in my research, and now over 16 years of working with clients through my Truce with Food process and I also train other people in this model of complex change in my truth Coaching Certification, is that when we are eating out of alignment for our goals, it actually makes sense. And we have to start from that sense. And, it, and I know a lot of people listening, when, you, when you're struggling, especially once you um, get off, you know, stop drinking, a lot of people have intense sugar cravings and all this stuff, and it can be really hard to quote unquote battle that. But if we start by saying, instead of like, hey, what's wrong with me? Instead of saying, why does this make sense? It really is a paradigm shift that changes everything. So that's the work that I really do is just help clients over and over again, figure out why their battle with food makes sense and from that place, we can actually resolve it permanently so that we can use food for all the ways that it's intended to, which includes celebration, includes medicine, all of these things. So yeah, that's that's the, the abbreviated version of my story.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you for sharing. And I mean, man, I mean, you know, on this podcast, we talk about, you know, just the journey becoming alcohol-free and living that lifestyle. And so much of what you said, I think that food... You know, there are so many parallels, so many similarities. Like when you said the shame, you know, like I can't tell you how, I'll just use myself as an example, but like when I was trying to quit drinking, I mean, why am I pouring that glass of wine? I know it's not going to make me feel good. It's not in line with my goals. And yet what is going inside of me to say, I deserve this. This is normal. All the other moms are drinking, you know? And so it really makes you look at it, especially like with food where it's like, I know I feel better when I'm not, you know, eating blank. I know that I feel better when I'm having my kale, you know, or, (laughs) or whatever that might be. And so it's so interesting to hear you, you know, kind of explain it and how many similarities there are just with our alcohol-free journey as well.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, one thing that you had said in an interview was you were talking about your wine right around five o'clock and you said like, it gave me a chance to rest, Right. And what I really realized is that food I say is about safety. Okay. And there and it's in part of safety is about um Dr. Dr. Deborah McNamara, who is a developmental psychology who works with kids, but she talks about food being paired with when we when we're growing up, it's a way to bring us to rest. Right. Like if you think back, Jess, to like growing up and you think about when you really felt well taken care of what food memories come up?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, anything mom makes, you know, warm baked bread out of the oven or, you know, just a warm dinner all around the table together or, you know, just kind of those comfort foods.
1: Yes. Yes. And comfort foods get a bad rap, but what was happening in what mom makes was you were being able to come to a rest that you could trust in Mm -hmm. that was safe and that's also what the wine was doing for you, right? It was like, oh, this is a way to come into rest. Now, a deep needing a deeper rest is is different. Totally. <laughs> right? there can be other ways to get that more that's more sustainable. But I think we need to all because we're often like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? But if we really look at how nature designed food, it was to be paired with this, hey, from the moment we're born, right? We know we're safe if we're fed. Like that's babies need have two survival needs right food and touch <laughs> mm-hmm, Right. and growing up like you know i think about um i actually have a little bit of a cold right now and my grandmother immigrated here from slovenia and she used to make us fenugreek tea with lemon and honey she's mm-hmm. like it's from the old country you know and it's like <laughs> still to this day when i am not feeling well or whatever it's like that tea it brings me this emotional sense of mm-hmm. i'm taken care of like you know, like, and it's not just the food, it's the the memory of that. And thank God we have that, because it can be really hard out here.
0: Right. Well, and especially, you know, I really try to avoid labels on this show. But, you know, when we live, I think in such a, I don't know, a society that is so quick to put labels on things, inc- including food, where, you know, we yeah. talked about comfort food. But, you know, I don't know if you're like me, or I'm. I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate where we say there's bad food. Or there's good food or, oh man, I'm being so bad that I'm eating this cupcake, you know, but really are we, you know, like, is there, is there, I'd love for you to kind of explain if there's harm in really like labeling those types of food or, you know, especially when we talk, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm going off on a tangent now, but like, even in front of our children, like I've noticed the power of like really being careful of not using labels on food, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. I just kind of word vomited all over you. No, I no,
1: I love this question <laughs> because I think this is where the nuance is. And it's a really sticky line because we're, we're right now in a very polarized culture, right? And so at any time you kind of wake up to something, like probably when you first woke up to like alcohol culture should not be normal, you kind of have to go to the other extreme, like, what is everyone doing? Can you believe that point? You know, and, and that's just kind of a natural developmental process. Yeah. Um, and I think what's happened in the food world is we're waking up to how diet culture is so harmful, mm-hmm. but then we've gone to this other extreme, which is still part of the same, I would say, binary <laughs> that's part of the all or nothing of like eat whatever you want, you know. And the, the reality is if you talk to most people, when they eat whatever they want they don't feel great in their bodies right right and and food companies have designed to like hijack our appetite so it's this really fine line between when we're talking about comfort right and in terms of comfort food like it's it's comfort food when it includes the connection when it includes that i've been sitting around the table with um with my family right and so to your question about good or bad food it's a big part of my work is that strategically I'm trying to get clients to have their come to their own realization that this strategy of restriction doesn't work, but it's also not restricting their emotional needs. Um, because often when people are eating that cupcake, that same cupcake, if you really want it and it's like, yeah, it, that's great. And it's part of like a birthday party or a celebration or whatever. And you're really like, I'm connected to this is what I need. Yes, it's super healthy. But if it's that same cupcake, when you're isolated, eating by yourself and saying, I I feel guilty because I ate one of these. Now I'm going to eat 10 of them. Like, I don't think anyone would say that's healthy. So part of my work is with helping people to realize that a lot of the good, bad labels they have are actually wrong. Like... Mm-hmm. Often clients think they need to be vegetarian. I used to think that as a cancer survivor, I need to be vegetarian to be healthy. But actually I had a blood cancer and the framework that I use for nutrition is nervous system based. And in that framework, blood cancers actually need animal protein and fats. Mm. And that's different than soft tissue tumors. Um, But it's the same as looking at, like we used to think carbs were bad. And it's like, no, we we, we need a certain amount of carbs. And it's all about, Like for some people, a cupcake, you know, I always talk with clients and I don't know if I'm getting too detailed right now, but it's like, how can you eat a cupcake so that you actually enjoy it and feel good and be moderate about it? That might mean balancing your blood sugar, right? You know, okay, if I'm going to eat that cupcake, I have really sensitive blood sugar. So I have to make sure that I eat a really solid meal before I eat a cupcake. Otherwise- I cannot physiologically stop at one cupcake, and most of my clients are that way. But if I want a cupcake, okay, let me keep my blood sugar balanced, and then let me really enjoy it and be around people and um, really take the whole experience of it in with food being one delivery mechanism that I feel safe, that I feel like I belong within this celebration or even this like meeting up with a friend and we're going to split a cupcake, whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. I really think it's about good and bad being, I like to think of, is this aligned or unaligned so that you can start to learn more of those um, nuances of when they really serve you and when they don't.
0: That's perfect. Thank you for taking my jumbled explanation and question and making sense of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I would also like, I mean, we're kind of on this cups or cupcake theme. Yeah, because they're so good. (laughs) They're so good. Um, But sugar, I mean, let's talk sugar for a minute, because even you mentioned yourself, you know, when we make that really brave, amazing decision to, you know, not drink anymore, that sugar craving shows up and those cravings happen. And, you know, A lot of people that I talk to, I'm like, you know, here's the deal. In the beginning, you are kind of in survival mode. Like, you know, the cupcake is not going to give you a hangover. You know, it is not going to impair your judgment or, you know, bring on all of those negative, you know, effects of drinking. However, I do think that once you fast forward and you're kind of getting stronger in your sobriety, now it's time to be like, okay, but is this in line with my goals? Is this making me feel good? Is this a healthy choice? You know, I'm, I'm making all these leaps and bounds to, you know, becoming the best version of myself. Is there a place for this? And so do you have any tips for people that are, you know, perhaps newly sober or they're, you gonna go get in their stride, but they are dealing with this sugar craving or, you know, insert whatever your food group is here instead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so about 50% of my clients are sober um, because this is such a phenomenon, right? Of um, needing to turn to sugar. So I totally understand it. And I think a lot of time, I think there's a lot of, I'm going to go go down two different roads because I yeah. think there's a physiological need. And I also think there's an emotional need. And I think when people stop drinking, there might be a lot of deficiencies, right? Alcohol takes a lot of nutrition to metabolize, right? And so I think um, it's just recognizing that some of these cravings are actually nutritional deficiencies. And so learning how to balance your blood sugar. I see a lot of people, um, like, I don't know if it's is now that paleo is more popular or whatever, but I think animal protein at lunch <laughs> It's like a game changer for people mm. um and and but learning to balance your blood sugar I think is so important. I've been talking about this for like 16 years. It's like not only diabetics need to worry about their blood sugar and now in the in the mainstream there's like Continuing glucose monitors and you don't need to get all that fancy, but I think really making sure you're eating at regular meals and that you have some protein and fat at each meal goes along and complex carbohydrates. I see Mm -hmm. people trying to do no carbs and then they totally splurge on refined carbs because they're so deficient, right? In complex carbs, which I'm talking about rice, corn, uh, sweet potatoes, um, I'm trying to think of other grains, right? I'm like, what grain? Oh, chicken noodle soup. I'm like, I had chicken noodle soup today. Um, You know, other uh, fruit, all that kind of stuff. Um, So I think really learning how to balance your blood sugar is super important. And I have a free breakfast experiment if people are interested. We can link it in the show notes. But I don't believe there's one diet for everyone. But I have people do a breakfast experiment so they can really see okay, do I need animal protein at breakfast or not? An animal protein could be eggs or can I do okay with oatmeal? And what you're doing when, you, when you're when you trying to see if your blood sugar is balanced is what you eat at one meal sets you up for two to three hours. Mm. So what you want to do is you want to feel satisfied. You want to feel stable moods. You want to feel clear energy or clear clarity and and good energy. Mm. And if you're not eating the right foods for your body, you're going to crave sugar. You're going to arrive at the next meal starving and not wanting to make the healthy choice. So it's, you can really tell meal by meal if you're balancing your blood sugar. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. So that would, is that a concrete enough step on the physiological sense?
0: I think so. Absolutely.
1: Okay. And then on the emotional stuff, this is again, why does this make sense? And when we're turning to food there is an emotional unmet need. And one of my clients who's actually um, sober as well, we, we were just talking about this. She was saying that as an example, um, she was coming back from, she runs her own business and she was coming back from from an appointment. And she said, when I was coming back from that appointment, I started thinking, oh, I want like a cheese croissant and then we'd have chocolate. And she's like, and this is where I get stuck because other people, other food people have told me like, okay, you, you're looking for comfort. So, uh, let's just get comfort somewhere else, like Mm -hmm. in a bubble bath or whatnot. And she's like, but I, I don't want that. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I totally get that. Let's take a step back. So what was happening? What were you, what was, what were you thinking? Because anytime we're starting to plan, Without really checking in with our needs, as we're starting to plan on all the sugar we're going to eat, we know that there's an unmet emotional need for a deeper sense of that comfort. Again, it's that feeling of I'm sitting around the table or that mom made this bread for me. Like I feel deeply cared for that I can rest in that care. And she said, oh, she said, well, I remember thinking like this appointment took longer than I thought. I'm so and she goes. It wasn't a particularly stressful day, and I'm I'm like no. These emotional needs are blocked by the climate, not the weather. So these are just mm-hmm. ways that we think are normal. They're not necessarily specific stresses, but in her, it's how we're relating to ourselves when we're being hard on ourselves. And she said, "Oh, I I did think like, oh, this." appointment took longer than I thought. You have, I'm not as productive as I would have liked today. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things I know that I need to get done that I just don't have the energy for. And I'm feeling behind and, and I'm like, okay, so that the, the issue was how you were viewing and judging yourself that day as being unproductive. And so what you really need is this deep, you have this really deep need to feel safe and not being as productive. And, and so like, what if we looked at like, How, like, are you just judging, you know, hours per day that you're working? Or what if we looked at impact over productivity? Because often we're just creating work because we think we're good if we're busy, right? And it's, and now I don't, I hope I'm not going too much off on a tangent, but we know the more we think about food, the more we're busy with food, the worse our choices. The more we think about our weight, the more busy we are with our weight, the less, the, the more, the more weight we gain. And so we have this like cultural belief that if I'm working hard and always productive, I'm getting ahead and I'm winning and I'm good. But I'm like, here's an example for her to take a step back and say like, okay, I have to learn how to be okay with rest and downtime. And that's the deeper need. And often taking a bath or journaling, that's more work to do. And what you're craving is just the safety of like, it's okay to rest. It's yeah. okay you didn't get everything done. So that's what I mean by the deeper emotional need that is present. I just said a lot. So I'm going to be quiet.
0: No, it was good. (laughs) And I mean, I felt like you were directly talking to me, which I really appreciate. (laughs) because So many times, like when we hit these subjects, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. Thank you, God. I needed to hear that today. Um, (laughs) Because I do think sometimes we are our own worst enemy and critic and all the things, you know, I think. We live in that time where it's just, you know, the grind and slay all day and do all the things when really it's like, or should we not, you know, I mean, yes, we have to work. Yes. We have to, you know, do the to-do list, but all of the extra stuff, you know, I loved that example that you, you gave of your client where it was just like, no, I didn't feel like I did enough. I didn't get all my things done. You know, that's okay. You know, it's okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, and in like slay all day hustle culture, the point is more. Hustle,
0: that was the word. Was yeah, like, what is it? I know.
1: <laughs> well, right, and it's like diet culture is hustle culture, right? Like you can't relax around food. Like, are you cutting out enough stuff? Are you, you know, are you eating clean enough? Like, it's always a hustle. Like, no one can really rest in, in, around diet culture, which is the 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 dominant narrative around food. Mm-hmm. And now it's obviously also become food as medicine, and 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 that has its own own like productivity police too. Like, yes. have you done enough for yourself? You know, it's right. like, whoa. but the point of that culture, the goal is more, more, more. So we have to, t- and this is where my work is with clients is, okay, we have to grow up a little bit. Like, this is what we were taught, right? My client, she's hardworking. That's wonderful. And like, that is what your parents taught you, what school rewarded you for. And what is important to you now? Like now that you have other options, other ways of viewing about things, you still need to run your business for sure. Um, and and let's get clear on like what's what what's really impacting things here? What's moving the needle? How can we not necessarily um you know compromise your business expert business results? but like what are the you know they say like the big rocks that are actually moving the needle and if we think we just have to be busy 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 we're never going to take a step back and then never feel like we can really be safe in in resting um so that's like one emotional need of like others that i think we we say we want but then when we have it we're like Ooh. i know and and i also just one thing i wanted to say too is you were saying like the inner critic and i i try to show my clients that that is actually a protector. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that can be like, what? But it's saying mean things to me, but it's this voice that's trying to like, quote unquote, whip you into shape. Like, Mm. oh, you have, you've rested today. You can't rest more. Come on, come on, come on. You know? So it's like, and so, but it's protecting you from like, hey, working hard has gotten me great things. Right. And I my family judged lazy people. You know, it's like I mean, this is what I'm not saying my family did, but like we all have judgments of (laughs) lazy people, right? Like you're you're taught to judge laziness, right? Versus, and so it's like, oh, this all or nothing is like I'm either super busy and I'm worn out, and then I turn to food or alcohol, right? Or I rest, and then I feel guilty about it, and because I'm afraid that people are going to judge me or that I'm going to you know not have the financial security I need or whatever. And so we need to find that moderate middle of like what is enough, what is realistic to expect in this time frame and how do I take care of my body needs? Right. Like I don't have to sacrifice my body needs for this full enriched and like life that I want to live. We think it's either or. But it's yeah. it's finding those gray areas so that we can enjoy the rest in this example.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. No, and I mean one of the big takeaways that I took from everything you just said was just like the stress, you know, I mean, all of that, in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know this is your, this is your <laughs> world, your expertise, but, um, you know, stress is going to, or all of those decisions, all of that harm and conversations we have in our head, a lot of times brings on that stress, which, you know, as a result, is going to kind of put us back to square one. Do you agree?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really, I think it burns us out from then being able to, like, we kind of get in survival mode. Mm -hmm. So then we're not creative. We can't think objectively. Like, I always tell people, like, we all know we feel different on four hours of sleep versus eight. Like, I think we can, Mm -hmm. but often when we're beating ourselves up, we're like wearing our battery down, right? Our energy, all that stuff. So that we're like, Oh my God. And I think everyone listening knows like life looks so much worse when you haven't been like slept well, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but that's basically like the state we're putting in ourselves when we're so hard on ourselves. And I think all of us, like we know, again, intellectually that like being hard on ourselves doesn't actually get us that far, but that's mm-hmm. the only strategies we've been taught. Like, you know, again, I am not a parenting expert by any means. I'm a four-year-old. However, kind of a parenting philosophy that has made the most sense to me is that looking at how children develop. So like when they're struggling, it's not that they're trying to act out or whatnot. It's that they have an unmet emotional need. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I grew up in the 80s or 90s and it was like when you were struggling, you went to your room to figure it out, (laughs) you know? Or it was like, I mean, I'm not saying my parents necessarily did. I think my parents did actually a really great job. But a lot of my clients, it's like, oh, I was struggling. I was told to go out in the hall and figure it out by myself or go to your room until you figure it out, right? And so- we never really get the support we need or whatever, but we're trying to do everything on our own and mm. isolated. And it's like, because that's what we were taught really early right. on is how you solve things is you're hard on yourself and you isolate yourself and you restrict yourself from everything that will actually help you. Mm. And so it is a radical mindset shift to be like, okay, why does this make sense? I actually need more support here. I don't want to restrict myself. And that's what I mean by strategically helping my clients realize that restriction, not just with food, but their emotional needs is not the solution. Like they actually have to trust in satisfaction, yeah. which is believe it or not scarier.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I love that you brought that up because I was an eighties, nineties kiddo too. Um, I'm quickly approaching my 40th next month, well, oh. sorry, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, we were, we were sent to our room or sent to the hall. And I mean, I think there were definitely pros and cons. Like, yeah, we had to just go figure it out, but it kind of made us a little bit of problem solvers. But like you were saying where it was like, that was a lot of pressure though. You know, we couldn't just open up our phone and Google like, Hey, what do I do for this? Or you know, scroll through social media and be inspired by something, um, which we won't even touch on social media. I had that on my list, but I'm like, oh gosh, I think Allie (laughs) and I would talk about social media for like 30 minutes. But, um, but it's so true just to kind of have that mindset shift where it's like, okay, you know what? No, I need to set some goals and I need to be realistic about it and make sure that these needs are being met and not beat myself up about it too much because it's just not worth it. And it's not going to help us get closer if we're not realistic about it too, so.
1: Yeah, and I love that you brought up being realistic because I think a lot of times, like we talked about people setting goals, um, is that when people set goals, it's like they're setting goals based on where they wanna be versus where we're starting from. And as someone who just like, you know, had a baby, I've gone through early menopause because of my cancer treatments. It's like my hormones were different every day. Like my son didn't sleep until he was like two, maybe, you know, it's like, every day was different. And what we do is we put this like, oh my God, you have to be here already versus what if my goals I think about are more process oriented? Like, how do I make this a practice of figuring out what my emotional needs are? Right. And again, I'm giving the everyone listening, like the first question is like, why does this make sense? And it may not come right away, but eventually it comes quicker and you start to realize like, oh, there's a couple core needs that always, you know, um, like, when I was finally figured out what I needed during my anxiety season, I thought, oh, I need clear scans. I need clear scans. That's that's what would make me feel safe. Yeah. And it was like, no, what I actually needed was to ask, like, my then boyfriend, now husband, or my sister lived in the same city, or my parents even, like, when I was going through that, tell them how scared I was and, like, what I was afraid of. Because I had, a, and I work on stories with my clients, because stories are what control us emotionally. But I had a deep story about like my health being a burden. And so it was like, I'm not going to be more burdensome to people. But once I re- figured out that the story was that made me feel unsafe, it was like, oh, the needs are have someone come with you while you're waiting in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Tell people you're scared and cry versus being like, it'll be fine when I didn't really feel that way. And so our needs are actually like often quite simple, but we have to really come to our own conclusions and connections of of what they are, but allowing ourselves kind of, I know I just kind of jumped around, but like being in stage one of the process of like, okay, why does this make sense? And let me start to figure out what my needs actually are that will help me. I always say like, everyone starts with the, like the what I know what to do, but we need to start setting goals around the how, and that's Mm going to be different for each person because we all have different lifestyles and we all have different, Capacities, we all have different caregiving responsibilities. So, a lot of the traditional habit development is based on perfect conditions. And I don't know many of us who are living in perfect conditions.
0: I mean, (laughs) no. And this was just a beautiful transition to one of the last topics I wanted to kind of hit on, which was, you know, with the new year, you know, with everyone kind of getting in that mindset of goal setting and what do I want my next year to look like and I would like to pause and say there is no harm in tackling these goals today like I think a lot of us too sit there and be like oh well January January I can't start you know during the holidays like you know heaven forbid like I don't enjoy myself when I'm with my family you know and so you know if we have some listeners out there that that are maybe sober curious or are looking at you know whether it be their nutrition or their exercise or anything, um, you know, where do they start? What is a realistic way to kind of set themselves up for hopefully success in their goal setting?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's this Einstein quote it's attributed to him and, and there's different numbers to it, but I'm going to say it because I think it gets my point across. And he said, if I had an hour to save the world, I'd spend 59 minutes defining the problem accurately. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> so again, some people have said 50 minutes. Some people said Einstein never said it, but you know the internet, right? Yeah. We <laughs> <but> <laughs> we get the concept. Really smart people understand that. What is the actual root cause? And so I think a lot of times, especially around food or or even exercise, people think like, I just need more willpower. I need more, or if they're sober curious, I need more willpower. I need more discipline, right? Mm. It's like, okay, is that, is willpower and discipline really the root cause? Like, do you really need a better plan or do you need a better strategy for how to weather life when you're, when you're struggling, when things are hard, when you need that comfort? Like, so I think starting with like, what is the real issue? And so, Doing that is, you can start to ask about your alcohol or when you don't exercise or when you overeat. Why does this make sense? So just start there. And another deeper question you can start to ask yourself is like, what feels hard about this? Right. So a lot of people want to run before they can walk. Right. So, like we're talking about sugar cravings. People think, okay, I got to eliminate sugar altogether. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if you, what if you, I think one of my favorite quotes from the Tao Te Ching is to go slow, we go fast, or to go fast, we go slow. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what if you just start, a, and this is an example, but of like, just why don't you take a snap, get an understanding of how much sugar is in everything? Like, right. why don't, you know, four grams of sugar is like one packet of sugar. Like, why don't you just start getting an awareness because mm-hmm. the more sugar you eat, the more you want. It's not like you can get satiated on it. So Again, asking what feels hard about this and then like going slow. Like, what if I just take a week to like observe and like, um, what are my weak points? Oh, it's it's during transition. It's when I'm going from school to home. Oh, it's at night when I'm alone and I'm thinking about all the things that I said and did, did that sound wrong? Or, you know, you'll start to realize there's just like two or three hard things. And then I think it's really getting support around people who will cheer you along for the process and not just the outcome, because there's enough people out there who will get you a quick outcome for sure. But I'm into sustainability. And so who is going to be devoted to you really working through the root causes and your growth so that you can actually exceed your goals, not just reach them. So I don't know if that was like
0: abstract or like (laughs) not technical enough. I loved it. No, it was perfect because I think So many of listeners can relate to that where, especially if they have removed alcohol for a little bit, we kind of in the, the sober community, we talk about how, when they remove alcohol after time, you start to feel like it's just like this layer of an onion that you're pulling back and you're Uh just like, Oh, so it wasn't the alcohol actually. It was this, you know, trauma that I didn't know that I was still, you know, healing from, or, you know, just, just really kind of what you were saying when you figure out what that route was, you know, where it's like, Oh no, at five o'clock I'm exhausted and I am tired and I'm hungry. And I have all of these things that haven't been met in this specific, you know, chunk of time. And that's when I'm reaching for something to check out, you know, and it's just, it's really interesting. So I appreciate you kind of breaking that down and just, making it attainable for people where it's like, Hey, it doesn't need to be all or nothing, you know, just become a little bit more aware, maybe educate yourself, read a book about something, you know, and just kind of take those baby steps to getting more curious about, you know, what it is you're trying to attain. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people, (laughs) I think there's this unconscious like belief that it's like go big or go home. And it's like, Mm -hmm. small is actually profound. And when you start to realize after a while that as you make small changes, it's like a snowball going down the hill. And pretty soon it's like, oh, where I was three months ago, I can tackle what I couldn't even imagine, right? Like to your point about sobriety, it's like, oh, I never thought I could do this. And now look what I'm doing, you know?
0: Well, and I think too to that, you know, I think the majority of messages, I don't want to say the majority, a lot of the messages that I get you know, whether it be email or on social media or anything, it's a lot of times people saying, you know, Oh my gosh, I quit for this many days. I was sober for 45 days and then I caved or, you know, I've, I've had 17 day ones, you know, and I think what we need to do or what I always advise them. I'm like, yeah, but you, you're still trying, like, it's still important. You're reaching out to a total stranger and you're letting them know, you know, about your struggle, but that you're getting back up, you know, and kind of like what you were saying, like, you know, each time we try again, or each time we keep going, you know, I like to think of it as little lessons, you know, you get stronger, and you start learning about yourself and learning more about what you value and what's important and how you feel and, and I mean, as corny as it sounds, but who you want to become. And that becomes bigger than the craving. Totally.
1: Yeah. I always say it's research. I'm like, mm-hmm. I say to my clients, you're going to overeat again. You're It's like, just yeah. expect it. And like each time though, you're getting more understanding of your patterns and how you try to protect yourself. And then, because like with sugar, for example, there may be a couple different reasons you turn to it, right? Yeah. Five o'clock is different than at night, which is different than a different time. And that's okay. But if you think it's just willpower and discipline that's going to solve all of this, you're missing out on nuance and context. And you really need to develop that self-awareness to figure out how am I, okay, what is the need? Why does this make sense? How am I protecting myself against getting that need met? And you're really teaching yourself more flexible thinking. And you can only do that through research, through quote unquote falling off. And it's like 17 day ones, damn, wait for you for keep showing up. You know, it's like, I can't. I don't. I, at this point, I mean, I've, I have, you know, my program's called Truce with Food. I've had a truce with food, but it took me so many years to get there. You know, it wasn't just like overnight. Um, but that's what we see, you know, <laughs> yeah. on Instagram and on TV. Uh, <laughs>
0: again, I'm not even going right. There. Right.
1: <laughs> no, social <laughs> media is like a cesspool. I can't. <laughs> oh my gosh, I
0: know. It's just a definitely love hate relationship. And you know, I mean, just totally yeah. off subject. But well, not off subject, but something I didn't think about we'd hit on but I see a direct correlation between like how do I put this like I've been on and off social media probably the past few years like I definitely fall into the trap of like comparison and I should be doing this and oh I should look like this or I should be parenting like this and all the shoulds um and then I take a big break and I feel really good And then I come back because I have that feeling of like, I should be on there. You know, Jess, if you have these big goals, you're going to have to have an audience. And anyways, my whole point is, is when I am back on, I notice that like my self-esteem just starts to plummet, you know, because I'm just in that comparison world. And it just, it really breaks my heart for the young women, especially that are just growing up in this world, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm grateful that I'm at least aware of it, but it makes me sad that they are growing up in this world where they really do feel like they need to look a certain way or eat a certain way, or, oh, this is going to have to be part two of our, of our conversation, (laughs) isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I think, Actually, I mean, we can, we can talk about the looks and stuff, but I think that your example of like to grow an audience and all this stuff, like, I think that's a a great example of kind of the, um, the, like when we're in the binary or like how we create our own stress and because obviously I run my own business too. And I found that like social media actually isn't the best place for me to be having the conversation because I like depth. I like nuance and context, but if I had this belief, I just have to be productive and grinding myself forever. I would be oriented towards social media because it is like a, it's like a bottomless pit, right? Like let's use a food metaphor, right? Like it's like insatiable, but it's like, oh, if I actually, okay, I want an audience and I don't want to, and I want to feel great about my life what are those values and choices and it's like oh relationships podcasting i'm sure it brings yes. in great you know yes. um but i found in my own business that it's like oh yeah and look i mean this is one one of this is kind of going more in detail but one of the protection strategies that we use against like not wanting to rest or feeling like we're worried we're going to fail is i call it the compete strat i mean it's called the compete strategy in truce with food in my framework and that is rooted in scarcity, right? Now I'm not saying our culture is rooted in scarcity. We have inequities, like some people have so much, some people have so little. So I'm not saying that there is um, abundance. Again, that's a whole binary, mm-hmm. abundance, scarcity. But there's plenty, right? And it's like, okay, there's so many people who need to get sober, so many people who need to hear your story and will connect with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how can I find this in a way that is deeply restful, that is enjoyable, that so that I can enjoy the process of pursuing my goals and not just like, you know, and then yeah. like getting to the end. And so this is one of, the, this is a great example of like, what's the emotional need? It's like, yeah, you, you, like, what are, what are your business goals besides like, big, big, big. And, and I, I totally get it. Like, cause I'm in the same boat. I'm not saying yeah. that I don't want you to have a bigger audience or whatnot. I don't want that nuance to be lost, but it's like, it's really hard to be like, what is enough? And like, especially cause there's so much complexity in a business, but it's like, what is enough? And like aligning with that so that I'm comfortable and I can, and I can feel safe in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that becomes, when we have that and that sturdy sense of self, which is called self-authoring in the developmental psychology world, it becomes easier to disconnect from the stuff that doesn't that doesn't feel good, but we feel like we should do because it looks good. And I'm not telling you how to run your business also, no. by the way.
0: <laughs> send me a bill for this uh, counseling <laughs> <No>. <laughs> session. <laughs> but I mean, the big word that I just pulled and totally gravitated to that you said was plenty. It's yeah. plenty. It's enough. Like whatever you are doing in, in your heart makes you feel good. It's enough, you know, it doesn't have to be all the things that you see or hear, you know, or think, I always think the shoulds, you know, um, you can do what works for you and there's plenty, there's plenty to go around and there are people that listen or tune in or read or see or whatever it is that, you know, are going to be directed to you for a reason. So I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting yeah. out of the buy and the all or nothing.
0: <laughs> yes. Completely. Um, this was so fun. And I'm yeah. just so happy to have had this time with you. And I think there have been so many good nuggets that people are gonna take, especially. Um, I know we've said it earlier in the conversation, but how timely this is with just you know people setting goals and getting getting ready for the new year um if there are listeners out there i will of course have all of your contact info in the show notes but what is the best way to find you
1: yeah yeah so um i am offering a free workshop series actually um starting december 27th that week of like nothingness between christmas and new years awesome. where everyone's like um, but it's called Find Your um, find your Flow When It's All in Flux. And it's about more about how to set goals for real life, not perfection. It's about how to cut through all the overwhelm. There, there'll be three workshops. Um, the second one will be how to cut through all the overwhelm of conflicting nutrition advice to start to figure out what works best for you and those sugar cravings. And then the third one will be about starting to figure out the root cause of why falling off track makes sense. Mm-hmm. People can find that at alishapiro.com backslash flow. Um, if they want to sign up for that and then, um, yeah, my podcast insatiable, I think is, is the other great place.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, well, Ali, I'll have the, all of that in the show notes. And I just want to, I feel like I'm speaking for all the listeners too, that just are leaving this episode going, Oh, I feel good. Like I feel good. This was <laughs> such a great way to spend my time. So I just want to say thank you one more time. It was truly a pleasure.
1: Well, and thanks for being open to the conversation. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: All right. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for pushing play today and hanging with me. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. Grateful for this message and want more? Head on over to decidedlydry.substack.com. There you will find all of my writing, a library of past episodes, and an option to subscribe. That gives you access to many, many more tools for not only your sober journey, but for all areas of your amazing life. It has sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.